0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to AV Daybreak. This is Mark Coxon, and I'm sitting here, as always, with Jared. How are you this morning, Jared?
1: I'm great, thank you. Yes, is are the, you? Great, the
0: Great White North is treating you
1: well? It's, it's getting into the Great White North. Um, you know, some areas have snow already. They've seen a bit of snow already. Uh, we haven't yet, but we're hitting around that zero to one degree mark. Yeah,
0: that's... That's cool. I heard you. I heard you got to do a little travel in inter inter Canadian travel, inter provincial right. travel the other last week.
1: I did. Yeah, I went to I went to the fabulous Winnipeg. Was that yeah. last week? No, that was was it the week before. No. That was two weeks ago.
0: Oh, i Look at that. Time flies. Yeah. Time flies. Did you? I know you were getting together with with uh, Allison Cooney. Did you get? Did you get her to sing?
1: I, I did not, but she did. Uh, sh- it came up in conversation that she, she knows she's a good singer. Yes, yeah, she
0: did. she's she's really great. And I messed up the song. She corrected me on Twitter, but it's uh, me and Bobby McGee is the one that she does that just. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew it was a job. I also thing. found
1: out. I I also found out something very interesting about you. Uh oh. Making a face. And your time, <laughs> and your time with daylight. What was what
0: was this very interesting thing?
1: At which you donned a certain superhero suit or uh, a suit? Y- yes, yes. I, is this public knowledge? Can we?
0: You know, it was one of those things. And I didn't that know I kinda... this because I
1: could. Oh, you didn't know. When I think back, when I, no, I didn't know that. When I think back now, I remember you though. <laughs> and now I go. That was you. <laughs>
0: Well, I disavowed, I kind of disavowed any knowledge of it for a long time. (laughs) It was, you know, it was interesting. So this is, this is the thing you have a business and you're doing some great work on social media, right? You've, you've been putting up some awesome stuff on Instagram. You've been doing stories. You've been doing surveys, audience engagement, some, you sent me a a video to an awesome case study the other day where you actually
1: invested. comes out today.
0: Amazing. Everybody look for the case study um, yeah. invested in some great camera work and, and editing and, and got some good, great interviews with clients. Um, so, you know, the importance of that. Yeah. Uh, and it was interesting because I was at at the time I was at Milestone and uh, Chief Joel did a lot of social media. Um, but daylight didn't actually do a lot of social media. In fact, I think when I looked at their Twitter, they, they hadn't done anything at the time. They hadn't really done anything for several months. And I think the last thing they put out was a Merry Christmas. And, uh, Draper was, was rampant on Twitter at the time. Uh, Penny and Terry were going crazy and I'm like, man, what are we doing? Like, (laughs) so I wasn't in the marketing department. And so, uh, I decided I was just going to do this little rogue project and set up this handle throw on a stupid suit and just start tweeting anonymously and see what happened. Right. And, uh,
1: as daily, man.
0: Yep. And it became, it became this kind of like funny, kitschy little thing, um, that for another day, uh, I can tell you the full story, but, uh I was doing it without marketing's knowledge, which is never a good <laughs> idea if you're working within a company. Um luckily it went over as well as it did and it actually became an official thing at Infocom a couple of years later where we did a pull-up contest on the new uh NXT uh you know, fast fold frames. And uh, right. we actually we actually did some videos like you did in Chicago, went to Chicago and filmed a couple actual commercials, Daylight Man little commercials for YouTube. Yeah. And uh It turned into something that was really fun and that we we leveraged but it started out as uh as a silly rogue little project just to try to see if uh, we could get some attention on twitter so anyways yeah you know what's really funny is when you come back this is a small world even furniture you know my furniture people they don't know anything about daylight man who would why would furniture people know about daylight man (laughs) so uh our vp of uh our our sales director amber jones came back from a, a conference and all of a sudden on our Salesforce chatter to 400 people is a picture of me in the daylight man suit saying, you know, our own. And uh, so she had run into Milestone has a guy who makes the uh, who's a product manager for all of their workplace solutions, like their monitor mounts, like their contour series, sure. you know, dual desktop yep. monitor mounts and stuff. Uh, his name is David Albright. And uh, she had bumped into David Albright. David had connected the dots that I worked with her, and then shared this information with her.
1: <laughs> so, Did they make you wear the suit? No. All of a
0: sudden, you know, um, all of a sudden, though, uh, you know, something I thought that had was was safely behind me uh, was was on a four hundred four hundred person chatter. So whatever. I mean,
1: you, you can't hide I, stuff like that. I mean, that's that's when you made it. it yeah, that's exactly. when you knew you made it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was that was yeah, that was that was interesting. That was a that was a Yeah, that was, Allison, a, that, was, that was a
0: fun fact. Allison was funny. So, one one other thing before we move on from that, uh there is a picture of me with Daylight Man on Twitter standing next to oh, him that I I used to try to throw people off the trail. And uh you know who's in the Daylight Man suit in that picture. Allison. No. David Gallows <laughs>
1: Dave Callis, Dave Callis
0: from uh, the Canadian Milestone team. Yeah, the Canadian helped, helped yeah. me out. We we threw him in the suit real quick, and and he took a picture with me, and then and then I was able to use that to say it wasn't me.
1: And you were like, <laughs> you were like, I'm not Batman. I'm Bruce Wayne. <laughs> exactly. Is, you, how, how could I mean, be Batman when Batman's standing beside me?
0: He's standing right beside me. I mean, geez, yeah, is, who, geez. who would
1: ever know? Come <laughs> on, so people
0: rationalize this. <laughs> yeah. So, no, it was
1: a, so that was Winnipeg. That was a good trick.
0: That's good. That's good. What have you been up to this week?
1: So I have a new, um, I have a new account manager starting next week. I'm pretty okay. excited for her to start.
0: That's always um, fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so of course, you know, being, being the type of person I am, I'm, I'm reevaluating how we're doing things so that I can see how, what we're going to, how we're going to train and work with her to be successful. And so, I'm kind of looking at sales process and then we're on top of that. We're, we're also experimenting with HubSpot and then we're trying to navigate through this, not post, but like pre post pre what would I call it? The pre post COVID, you know, like it, it, where we are anyways, um, COVID COVID isn't, it's, it's, it's not. A huge factor it's a concern but I don't think it's a huge factor and so it's like some people are back and some aren't and yeah most you know most businesses are open anyways so now I'm trying to, to look at sales process and okay what what is this new the new world what is the new normal that everyone loves to say <laughs> and you know there's, wh- there's no new whatever. normal no I know I know normal just, or not right <laughs> yeah I'm but, just saying what the cool kids are saying Saying what the, co- <laughs> but yeah, so 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 yeah. So I'm just the trying. Game, to, I'm just trying. The to game understand. changing.
0: The game changing new normal. That's right. Yes, being disruptive. You're being disruptive in the new normal.
1: Uh, I feel like I'm I'm being disrupted. Um, the COVID pivot. Yeah. How did you? So how did
0: you find your new? Uh, how did you find your new salesperson? Your new account
1: manager. So uh, just online. So we, we posted some ads out locally, obviously. And, and then we got some, um, obviously some resumes back and yeah, just kind of went through a shortlisted of them. Um, and then met with each, each person kind of, and pretty, pretty, pretty traditional. I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. And, and, and actually strangely, she, she actually comes from the live event side.
0: Oh, that's awesome. How cool yeah, is that?
1: So she. So she she did, um, she did account management on the live event side. We're going to, that's why we have to do a bit of training with her to bring her into onto the integration side. Yep. Right. We don't want her going and, uh, you know, striking or picking everything up that we install. <laughs> 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 uh, hey, Jared, Jared, hey, we just want
0: to let you know, this is, uh, yeah. this is the, uh, the provincial, the provincial government. And we really, yeah. we really appreciate this town chambers you installed and we yeah. had our meeting, um, <laughs> the meeting went great. It was, it was awesome. Everything worked. Uh, it was easy to use. Our people loved it. Um, came in the next morning and, uh, it was all gone.
1: (laughs) A bunch of guys in black came and just started taking everything down. They, they put it in black boxes. They threw it in a truck. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, no, we want, we want everything to stay where it is. So, um, (laughs) uh, yeah. So, so, so now I'm looking at how things, like HubSpot and Salesforce, because we, we've never really used that before because it was just, you know, myself or like myself and one other. Yeah. And so it's, it's easy to track stuff like that. But when you, and you know this, when you start building a team, you kind of have to start not only the allowing the autonomy, but then on, with the autonomy comes the monitoring checks, right? Not, not daily meet. I don't want to have daily meetings and weekly meetings and daily reports combined with weekly, you know, summarized reports yeah so yeah yeah. so what what, you
0: have people that are i mean you have people that are professionals and you don't want to babysit but you do want to have a you do want to have a process and you do want to have you do want to have some cadence of um you know hey what are we what are we working on how are we moving things forward what have you seen that's successful is there some knowledge here we can we can um you know put out to the team uh yeah. to give us all a little bit of a of a boost if we needed or an idea on how to get creative. I mean, we're doing that. We're doing that right now within within our company and I'm always doing that with my team too. It's uh, you know, it's good to have those to kind of have those check-ins and what's working for people and 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 that. So what do you think will be the biggest change or what do you think you, you, the biggest gap is to try to to try to bridge when you're looking at processes like that?
1: Well, two two things that I've, that I've come to realize is, is, is I, you know, I, I'm a business owner imposter and (laughs) so I research a lot, um, you know, and so, um, (laughs) I, I research a lot to see what's out there, you know, and I don't want to reinvent the wheel when people have successfully made a wheel. Sure. So as I'm reviewing different thought process behind, you know, formatted sales, sales processes. Um, what I realize is that a lot of them, a lot of the ones that you read about are really based on, on having like a widget. To yes. The cell product X. And so what you should do is you have to do all your prospecting, right? And then you collect that database and then you, you start reaching out to them. And the goal is to get as many demos or meetings as you can to, so that you have the opportunity to show product X and then at the end of the demo, you're hopefully turning around and you're saying how many would, how many product X's would you like to buy? And the client says 12 and then you report that into your sales process, you know, had 30 meetings, sold 12 widgets, whatever. And so what's interesting is trying to, trying to, trying to translate that into, okay, well, we kind of are the product and the service, you know, so, so what, what, what do I want to watch? What, what is, which I can't, I can't, to me, it feels unreasonable to say to my team, here, here's what we're going to do guys is you're going to demo system X, (laughs) Y, Z, and then, and then you're going to, at the end, you're going to have a sales form ready to hand that client and leave it in space, And you're going to leave it in that room where you demoed it and be like perfect. You now own. Crestron flex system. Good for yeah. you guys. You yeah. know, it's too much, it's too much. There's too much backend work that needs to be done. And and so I'm just trying to get a good understanding of what, what do you measure? What do you measure um, for a sales team that has a slow uh, sales cycle?
0: cycle?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you successfully measure things that matter? Yeah. So. I
0: mean, I think that's always, I think that's always hard. I'll tell you, I was, I was fortunate and you're, you're a reader of business books. Um, yep. You know, I was fortunate early in my career and I, I think there are a lot of great business books. There are a lot of books on sales. Um, but I was fortunate early in my career to get introduced um, to some books by Miller and Hyman. And I don't know if you've ever heard of strategic and conceptual selling. So there's two, books. No. One, one's called strategic selling. Um, And it's really about managing the complex sale saying that this is not a widget. This is a sale that has a long, long sales cycle, maybe with multiple decision makers. Um, And they say at every sale, there are four decision makers. There's a technical buyer and their job is, is not necessarily that they're a technical person, but they're the person who is creating kind of the template of what is an acceptable solution? What isn't. Um, And they can disqualify you on a technicality is why they call it a, a, buyer, right? This meets the technical components of what we need to buy. Um, there's a user buyer who's obviously the person who's going to be using the product and they may have some influence or not depending on Mm -hmm. what's going on. Uh, there's an economic buyer who holds purse strings that you have to have. And then in every sale, they say there's a coach. Uh, so somebody that you can find that's an internal champion or an external champion but somebody who has a vested interest in you winning but knows how to navigate the organization or knows or has successfully right. sold within the organization before. And they talk about, you know, just the way that you approach number 1 just identifying all these people and creating next steps. And they say you really don't have an opportunity until you have a time a specific project with a time frame with a price, with a dollar amount. So saying, you know, XYZ company, you know, is going to buy an AV system sometime because they use AV. There's, that's not really an opportunity yet until it's the conference room that's going to be $80,000 that's going to close within the next three months. Now you have a very specific opportunity because the decision makers may, may change from project to project. So saying that the economic buyer for XYZ company is Bob, may or may not be correct.
1: Right? They, they may even change within that project because the correct. cycle's so long.
0: Correct. And so this so, and that's part of the thing. It's saying red flags, who do we not know, which buying influence do we not have covered? Um, you know, if our next step is so when you start to do these these really big jobs, they use something called a blue sheet and you start isolating what your red flags are. I don't know who the user buyers are in this project. Great. Yeah. My next my next step is identifying the user buyers. My next step is making sure I get a better relationship with the economic buyer or figuring out who the economic buyer changed to or knowing the new CTO. So as these things pop up, you, your actual process goes through, okay, what I'm trying to do as I go through, is I'm eliminating these gaps in my knowledge to make sure I'm in the best position to be the one who wins this job when it goes forward. And so it kind of gives you this really cool process of what are all the things I know? What are all the things I don't know? what do I need to know in order to be successful? And they give this example of, you know, like a guy who has a a relationship with a company and he's always sold to them. He sold to them for years. Um, He asks them when they're going to be doing their next stuff. And they say November and he calls back in November and they say, oh, we, we actually did that refresh last month with someone else. Yeah. And you're like, wow, how did that happen?
1: Yeah. there, There goes the rug under my feet kind of.
0: Yep. And so it's that mode of, um, thinking having one base covered or thinking you know the account sometimes hurts you and always exploring, okay, is there anything here I'm missing, right? Um, And going through that process is pretty interesting. Now, not every sale deserves a sheet like that, like a full blue sheet that you would go through and do, but the mental process of just being cognizant of those things, you know, like a CTO changes within a company, you know right away if you're in Miller-Hyman mode, that just knowing the IT manager may not be helping you even though he loves you to death and he hires you every single time, right? Yep. So it's, um, it's cool. And the, the reason I mentioned the other one, conceptual selling, conceptual selling is much less about managing um, through the process, but about selling um, something that's not a widget from a, uh, I guess, from an exploratory standpoint. And what they talk about, what you're kind of talking about with this widget-based sales approach is that um, yeah. most salespeople do a uh, convergent process, meaning they have a product and then they they circle out from that product to who uses this product and then circle that's out right. from there. And they, they're in this very single tr- channel track of, I have a product that does this, and now I'm gonna find the people that ha- need a product that do this. But that's not usually the way people buy things the way people buy things isn't in a single lane. The way people think through a problem is I have this problem. Here are seven different solutions. Now, how do I start to winnow down those solutions to find out which one is actually the right one for me? And so they go from more of a divergent thinking first. They're not yeah. trying to hone down on the product They're First, they're exploring all the solutions. And then they go into that, that mode of like, pyramiding it back into what is the best solution for me at this point in time based on what's available. And uh, that one's a cool one too. But those are, those are two that if you like books um, that might just be interesting to to pick up, but it's, it's definitely more about like what you're talking about. You know, we're in a, we're in a mode where we're not, you're not going to get a PO when you leave the room. There's a lot more work to, to be done. And how do we make sure that somebody else isn't doing that work better?
1: Well, and so when you think about that, it's like, okay, well, even in either process that you just explained, what, what are you watching your team for, you know, are you, are you monitoring, if, if you were, if you were tracking, right, let's, let's throw the word KPI out there, which I, I know has, <laughs> it, it has a negative connotation and sure. I, and I get it, but, but every, every company needs to have that scorecard, every company needs to have yep. some sort of measurable Way to track their successes or failures. So, in the processes you identified, yep. What what what's on the scorecard? What numbers are on the scorecard from your sales team? When you're, are you tracking how many meetings they had? Are you tracking how many contacts they've created? You know, um, and that's that's kind of where I'm stuck, right? Is what?
0: So yeah, or, so. I, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. Let me tell you the ones that I've found the most valuable. And and some of them come from places I've worked and some of them just come from, you know, stuff we do where I'm at. And some of them are more my my sure. pieces. Um, so I, I like tracking meetings just for activity, but I don't, I you know, dropping off donuts at XYZ Co to That's me right. isn't a meeting. And yeah. unless it's important for you to remember as a salesperson, I don't need that input as a touch in the CRM. Yeah right? Like it, it doesn't help anybody else looking to know what we've been doing with the account to say, you know, <laughs> I called, I called so-and-so and left a message, yeah. right? Like if you need that internally to manage, to manage your, your touches and to make sure that you're not over or under servicing yeah, a client, I like, there's
1: a way to use that, that number. number. Yeah,
0: correct. Yeah. And I, and I think, this, I think that part is up to the salesperson, like whatever process sure. you need to do to make sure you're staying in, in constant connection with your customers or, or pursuing your account's You know that you want to develop at the right pace um please use that but yeah just know that i'm not looking at that as like is john doing it or cheryl doing their job right like why haven't
1: you dropped donuts off this week
0: yeah exactly so so for me that was on your list (laughs) so for me the, the the meetings are important but i want relevant like log the stuff that's relevant from a kpi perspective you know what was a relevant meeting moving something forward Right. Um I think that's in there. Um, I know when I was at Milestone, um, and I think it it mirrors kind of something I was just saying with the Miller Hyman thing. At Milestone, any major account that we had, our job was to to be five deep in the account. So do we have five valuable relationships cross-disciplinary in account? Yeah. And when you're talking about creating contacts you want to be strategic about that. Like right? I can know the six salespeople, but if I don't know anybody in engineering, what are the chances that I'm going to, that I'm going to have a great relationship with that account? Right. Yeah.
1: And Anthony, um, Anthony Ian Arino. Yes. If I'm not butchering his name, um, you know, author of ether lunch or the the last sales book you'll ever need. That's, that's exactly what he talks about too, is he he says a lot of people make the mistake of just shooting after what they call the decision maker. Right. We talked about the CEO of the problem. Yep. But, um, but, but making yourself known or aware to 10 people at that company from any level, or like you mentioned, cross-discipline is, is advantageous.
0: Yeah. So, you know, being five deep. So on accounts where we say, Hey, these are, these are strategic accounts. These are accounts that we, if we could, if we could change our business tomorrow, if Hillman AV could double its business in the next year, which four or five accounts would you need to get to double your business? Yeah. You know, and then when you're looking at those accounts, when you're looking at your salespeople say, hey, these are the five or these are the six or this is our profile. I want you to add two accounts like this into our CRM or into your into your prospecting per quarter. Every quarter, find two companies and start to make efforts to develop a relationship with these companies. And if we get two of them over the course of the year and you're chasing eight, like we're going to we're going to grow our business like these are accounts we're going to grow our business with. And so yep. when you're looking at that, you know, you look at, okay, are they, how many, how many contacts do you have within that account and what departments are they in and what roles yep. do they play in the decision-making process? And then you can really start to go, okay, my salesperson is developing a relationship here or they've hit a wall. And when they've hit a wall, then you start to say, okay, what can I do to help you reach this next, this, you know, this next goal of making sure that we know who the CTO at this company is. Or that we get a we get them to a job site to walk a to walk a, a current project with us so they can see the kind of work we do. So if we identify that as a next valuable step, you know, how do I help you do that? And a lot of times, you know, in in Miller Hyman too, to to pimp that a little more, I guess, they you know they talk they talk about like selling. You know, sometimes the CTO will meet with the salesperson, and sometimes the CTO won't but but yep. that, that same CTO may meet with Jared Hillman because you're the business owner. Is that is that crazy? So sometimes saying, you know what, I'm not having success here, Jared, or saying, you know what, I think I think Sod would have a lot in common with this person and I think we need to get he and I together to this site yeah. and talk to this CTO because I think he may gel better with that. And so having this self-awareness that, you know, salespeople are drivers, they like to do it themselves. They like to have successes. They like to do these things, but having this awareness that sometimes looking at who else on your team may be a good fit for the, the person in, uh, in particular, that specific person in the sale that you're trying to get to, um, yeah. maybe a better fit for that, or maybe a way to break into that is one of those ways that starts to break that open. So, you know, when I talk to my team about that, I'm like, I, I have a two per queue. You know, it's like a fun little rhymey thing that I have a two per Q metric, like which two accounts are you chasing this quarter? And every time we talk, like, what have we done lately to try to get into that account? Who do you know? Who do you don't know? Who do we need to get to? Um, you know, do they have current projects? If the project is there, which one is isolated? Um, you know, who are the competitors? You know, competitive landscape. Yep. For me, if I can see somebody building that out, and usually I get this through conversation, But if I can see somebody building that out, I know they're making significant progress in at least having a platform for success within that account, right? Because we know it may take a year, sometimes a year and a half, sometimes two years, you know, if they've got a great relationship with somebody else, and especially if they have a service agreement with somebody like one of the nationals that doesn't expire for two years, you know, those are all things that we we need to know and start prospecting. And I remember that from uh, insurance. My wife worked for State Farm, when their insurance agents are, are looking at uh, building a book of business, one of the first things they start going through and doing is X-dating. When do people's current policies expire? Right. Because that's going to be the best time to make a switch for them. They're not going to, they can't usually make a switch before those times. So if you do are going after somebody who has service agreements or has an annual budget cycle or, and all those things, figuring out all those pieces really help them set up the strategy too. And so, for me, like if I ask my salesperson, like, who are they using right now? Oh, they're using, you know, uh, Yorktel and they have a, a national service agreement with them. Okay, great. You know, who makes the decision on the national service agreement? Oh, I don't know. They're not in California. Okay, well, we need to isolate who that is if they're in New York or wherever they're at. Um, when does that expire? We don't, we don't know. Is it month to month? Is it yearly? Not, no clue. Okay. So then you start to find some work that we need to do to qualify. And then you can start tracking against, is there progress against those those deliverables? And I think in big complex accounts, I don't know that you can just put a like, well, if you make five calls a month, you're doing a good job.
1: You know, like, <laughs> right. No. And that's, and that's, that's exactly the, the challenge is trying to, trying to measure. So what I picked up on, on, on the way that you operate is I think it would be good to measure those those account selections like you said each quarter where they where each each rep is like okay here's here are four accounts that i'm going to work on this quarter and then the next measurement in that would be how many contacts have you created in each one yep and and made contact with and what and what qualifies as engagement or contact right yeah yeah and then as you're driving it through i guess i guess as you drive it through um the next thing would be to just I don't know. Are you, are you, how, where are you comfortable? Are you jumping? Are you jumping to the next measurement is how many proposals are going out the door to that client? Or
0: are I'm, you. I mean, we look at that. We look at that for sure. Like for me, for me, I, I what I look at in Salesforce opportunity creation, cause we use Salesforce, but what we, what we look sure. at in opportunity creation is, um, you know, if my person has a million dollar quota, we have to be putting in $3 million worth of opportunities. Right.
1: Yeah, you in the, the system. You know, if they, rate.
0: Yeah, if we have a 33%. And some of ours are higher than that. But yeah. you know, the me, the metric that sure. I'm looking at, if we have to boil it down into something, is you know, are we putting, you know, you have a million dollar quote, are you putting 250000 dollars a month worth of opportunities in Salesforce? Yeah. And and what are those? And are they actual opportunities? Again, like this whole coaching on an opportunity isn't like, I think this company's gonna do a boardroom, and boardrooms are usually 30 grand. Right opportunity is you've had a valuable conversation around a project that's going to happen within a certain time frame, And based yeah. on that, the budgetary is about this. Um, then we have a real opportunity in the system. And so, you know, I, I agree with you. And, and in fact, we have that. So we have showroom tours or site visits as a metric. Like if I oh, can yeah. actually, if I can walk a site, if I can get somebody to come into my showroom, or I can take a client to a, another customer site, so we have a customer that's open to letting us come in and show their the system off. Um, we treat that as a, as a metric. We treat the, uh, we treat the, the meetings as a metric, but I want real meetings, right? Like, and I, and I keep that KPI lower, um, you know, used to, it was like, Oh, I want 60 touches a month. Like, okay, great. But now you have people padding just to hit their metric in Salesforce.
1: Well, and that's, that's the thing exactly is you, you want, you want, you want 15 meaningful conversations rather than 30 phone calls.
0: Yeah. So whatever that is on your end, you say, okay, well, they're working, they're working two or three major accounts that they're trying to close. Plus they're getting, you know, these, these little one-offs here and there as they're going along the way, because they obviously need to to be casting their net a little wider just for, um, you know, maybe you have a preferred relationship with a general contractor or a certain customer that's already there where they're going to pick up some extra work. Um, Yes you know, those, those things are there. So you, you kind of, you know, you like, okay, okay, they're probably going to be calling these folks. So we look at contacts, we look at uh, meetings, we look at showroom tours and visits, and then we look at Salesforce, you know, opportunity creation as a, as a multiplier of what quote is. Yep. And, and then just make sure that those aren't going past due, that we're moving those forward and anything that's very complex, we do a blue sheet on if it's so we do what we call must wins. Like for us, they're over $200,000. You know, if somebody has yeah. uh, a project or an opportunity, it's over $200,000. We want to be tracking that in a special way and talking about it um, to make sure we're consistently moving it forward and we're not falling out of the mix on it. Um, and, and that so you know seems to work pretty well. You know,
1: you know what's, you know, what's cool about the, what I love about it. And I, this is, this is the one aspect about stuff like EOS or, or even just stuff that I've got to do in my own business is I do love the process. Like, so whatever, whatever I, whatever I create or develop, what I'm hoping and what I look for is the success of it. And so I love that creation side, right? Like I love saying, okay, if we need to sell a million dollars this year and then you start working backwards. Right. And it's like, okay, now let's deploy this. And when you start seeing the success of it, super cool.
0: Yeah, it is super cool. And it's, it's fun to watch people succeed within, within the system. Um, -hmm. and what I find, what I find, honestly, the most rewarding is to find people succeed using their own unique skills, talents, and kind of method of doing it, even though we're all working off of the same kind of skeleton framework. Right. And for me, that's always fun to see that I have three completely different personalities and types of selling on my team. And they all three can be successful, even given, you know, given the, the structure of the team.
1: Yeah, they um, all, they all have the same, they all have the same core process that they follow. But you allow them to, to put their own nuances in there. Because that's, yeah, it's them, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, the last thing so, I want to do is, is dictate how somebody does something like I don't, I've always told them, like, I don't want to change what you love about what you do. So, you know, the things you love about your job, my job is to make sure that you can continue doing the things you love the most in the way you love to do them, yeah. but that I'm helping you block, tackle and strategize to yep. get our internal processes out of the way, to help you clear hurdles that you see for sales, um, whether that's giving you new resources or, or, or helping you guys collaborate on something or getting the right person to site. And then just making sure that we're um, doing that zoom out you know, a lot of times when we're in the project, it's really hard to see what it is. And you talk to somebody else and all of a sudden they're like, have you tried this? And you're like, wow, that's a really good idea. <laughs> like, I never thought of that because I was too close to it, right? That whole idea of being too close to something. And so I always see my job as a as a director, as, you know, doing that. I block and tackle, and then I help give the aerial view of the field. And if I can do those two things, I think, you know, I let the players play. That's, that's their job, yep. you know, like... Uh, who's to say the way you leave a voicemail is any better than the way I leave a voicemail. It's, it's just, it's so subjective. And to me, egotistical to say, Oh, because you didn't say four words that I would have said that you're going to, that, that that's not going to work for you. Um, Now, if it's not working, then I can say,
1: yeah,
0: exactly. But if it's not working and somebody comes (laughs) to me and say, Hey, I'm frustrated. I can't get this person to call me back. Like I'll give them ideas but like, yes. you know, I'm not sold on any of them. Like whatever works for you, I want it to sound natural. So um, anyways, I, I don't know if that helps you with sales process at all. But.
1: No, it's a good, con- it's a, I mean, any, I, I like I said, I, I listen, I watch, I read. Yeah. So and I think, and, and that's the thing, I think there's, I'm, I'm probably not the only person out there. Um, and it's more so that I have to adapt now because where we could have had in-person demos or meetings not as, not as easily now, you know, and yeah. people are a little bit shy to, to be out and about. So yeah, it's also cause for a, a shift. Um, so I don't, I don't think we're the only, I don't think I'm the only person out there trying to trying to reevaluate. And, and that's, that's kind of why I wanted to get into this conversation with you today. So. Yeah,
0: no, I, I, I love it. I, I'll tell you one last thing on the close. Cause I know we both have, we both have meetings today, but yeah. I'd say, you know, I'll tell you from a customer perspective too. When your salesperson is always is always connecting with purpose, it really sets you apart. Like if if every time there is actually something that comes out of yep. that meeting or request that they've had, they're not just asking to come by. They're not just asking for thirty of minutes to take thirty minutes. They're, they're not just asking following to, up. It, yeah, I'm just following up. I just wanted to check in.
1: Hey, I um, just thought I I just wanted to follow up.
0: Yeah. I with, I think. With what? With what exactly like, Hey, no, the last time we spoke, we talked about these three things. I was thinking a little bit more about it and I found this video on it. Um, We just did a case study with a customer on a system, very similar. Thought it might be helpful to you. It'll take three minutes of your time. Um, You know, I'm gonna let you go now because that's all I really wanted to tell you, but I just want, I thought this was valuable to you, right? Um, Yep. If connecting with a business purpose every single time and always providing something of value at every touch or helping them move their own process forward, all of a sudden, you you stand out from that crowd of like, you know, the people who are following up out of insecurity of their position, and yep. having a reason really helps with that. So, anyways, you know, man, you know how I do. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's ex- it. Yeah, it's 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 like you said. It's I love it. I love the challenge of it. I love the assembly of it, and and uh, so yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm working on. But yes, we both do have meetings.
0: Yes, we have, we have meetings, people. We don't just sit around and podcast. I wish we could. That'd be fun. You keep saying you want a three-hour podcast, but I don't think either of us have three (laughs) hours in a day to do a three-hour podcast. So
1: yeah, I'd have to get another part-time job maybe or. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. You'd have to, you'd have to find a mini Jared. You'd have to do the Michael Keaton multiplicity. You'd have work, work Jared and podcast Jared.
1: Maybe instead of listening to podcasts, like when we're out on a run or like, or like you and I were talking about just working out at the gym or whatever maybe we could um maybe we could do our podcast while we're running
0: <laughs> do, oh i thought you were going to say do our podcast while listening to another podcast no, no. i think that'd be very that'd be very hard to do
1: that's to uh, inception
0: it'd be uh, you know what it would be mystery science theater for av podcasts just the the silhouettes of the back of our heads breaking yeah. on somebody else's podcast for 30 minutes i think i see it i see a new episode in the future all right, man. Well, hey, I'll, I'll let you go. Everybody, thank you for joining us today on AV Daybreak. Hopefully you got something out of uh, Jared and I talking about sales process and uh, you know, thanks as always for tuning in. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Take care.